Good morning, everybody, and happy Thanksgiving. We're going to go in our Bibles today to Hebrews 12. If you'll meet me there in Hebrews chapter 12. It's not hard to predict what we're going to preach about. It's, it's Thanksgiving. This is the week we celebrate it. We're, we're going to have a meal together after the service here. And I just, as you're turning to Hebrews chapter 12, I want to remind us all that part of the, the, the heritage we've inherited from the earliest New Testament days is that eating a meal together is, is worship. It's not that the service ends and then we go eat. It's that we move from the worship we're doing in here through music, through prayer, through preaching, moving into the worship we do through the fellowship of the saints. And it matters so much to God that when He gathers all of His people together in heaven, He's going to have a giant feast. So what we're going to do down there is, is, an, is a, a reflection of the call of God to worship together, and so we're excited to be able to do that. I hope you will be able to join us. But in Hebrews 12, we're going to start at verse 25. And we're going to go through 29, and 28 talks about being thankful. So it's a thanksgiving, thankful text, but it's not uh, immediately obvious as we begin in, in verse 25 what it has to do with gratitude. So I wanted to point out in advance that's where it's headed. What I want us to understand is that we live in the mercy of God, called to obedience to God, and it's only from that perspective that we can truly be thankful and worship God with reverence and all. We can't truly be thankful to God for those deepest things that matter the most until we see God rightly through the prism of grace and obedience. So go with me to verse 25. Here's the first big idea that thankfulness begins with a commitment to receive the word of God. He's going to end with, be thankful and worship. He's going to begin with, see to it that you, not, you do not refuse him who speaks. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to people who believe in Jesus. And he says, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? He's talking to believers, and he says, don't refuse him who speaks. He says, look at the example of people who refuse the apostles, who refuse the prophets, who, who God sent to preach the word, and they refuse to listen. And he says, um, they did not escape the judgment of God. God sends people to tell you to, to repent and to live in holiness. And when we refuse to do that, there's judgment. How much less will we, if we turn away, from him who warns us from heaven. So we see two things that are happening here. One is a command. See to it that you do not refuse. And the other is a warning. If they didn't escape, we won't either. We apply this in a couple of ways. The first is by taking the word of God personally. Do not refuse him who speaks. It's not a list of rules that speaks. It's not the church that speaks. It's not religion that speaks. It's not the pastor that speaks. It's, it's him who speaks. That the word of God that calls us to grace and calls us to obedience is the very word of God himself from, from one person to another, from God to you. It's personal. 
To refuse the Word of God is, is to refuse Him who speaks. He's going to call us to faith and to obedience. And it's a personal call from a personal God to a personal you and a personal me. And the way He expresses that is, is refusing or turning away, that's personal. If I, uh, if I got up to speak and you got up and turned your back to me publicly, would that send a message? Would it be personal? Would everybody know exactly what you're saying? Thank you for not doing that. I'd know exactly what that meant. That's the language God uses here. Don't turn away or refuse Him who speaks. That if we're going to end up with gratitude and worship, we're going to end up thankful people like we're going to find in verse 28 and 29. It begins with submission to the Word of God. Don't turn away. Don't refuse Him who speaks. Two, we can learn from the examples of others. The Bible's filled with these. Those who refuse to hear the Word of God. Those who, who just absolutely wouldn't repent and wouldn't turn. And God has no favorites. He doesn't wink at sin. There, there's no one, not even you, not even me, who can just disregard, flagrantly disobey, refuse the Word of God. And he says, well, if it were anybody else, that would bother me. But you're so special, I'll make an exception. The Bible's filled with people who just did not listen, did not obey, and they received the judgment of God. He says, notice those examples. If they didn't escape, what makes us think that we will? That's a dangerous arrogance to think that we have some special arrangement with God that He's not as serious about my sin as He is with everybody else's. We aim our lives at God. He expressed it here, don't turn away. Well, the way to make certain you don't turn away is to purposefully turn toward. That, that we orient our lives toward an obedience to God. So if we're going to end with gratitude, then we're going to start with submission to. Receiving Him who speaks. Receiving God and His Word. Now, the author of Hebrews writes it to the church. And I'm, I'm preaching it primarily to people who know Christ. Saved people. And so it's not that we need to get saved. If you don't know Jesus, absolutely you need to know Jesus. But if you do know Jesus, then the pattern of our life needs to be receiving Him who speaks. It's not only for, for salvation, but for living, for holiness, for being sanctified, for being more like Jesus every day, sinning less and walking in closer obedience so that we can know Him, praise Him, and make Him known to the world around us. It begins with receiving God who speaks. It's an acknowledgement. Here's your second big idea. Thanksgiving is an acknowledgement of our deepest relationship with God. And this is the, the real core of it. He says, at that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, once more I will shake not only earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, things that are created, so that which, uh, so that what cannot be 
shaken may remain. The wording's complicated, so he explains it. He says, at that time his voice shook the earth. He says, don't refuse him who speaks because people who refused him who spoke were judged and it shook the earth. But he says he's promised, once more I'll shake not only the earth but the heavens. And he explains it. Once more means the removing of what can be shaken, that is what is created, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. And I looked for a way to explain it. And there's an example that works in our world. It didn't exist back then, so it's not what he's talking about. But it helps us to to understand what he means. Um, I like to, to live to... Kettlebells. It's an iron ball with a handle on it. And so I was watching this, this video one time on YouTube of how they're made. And it's amazing how iron things are made. They take a big hydraulic the press, and they make two halves of a mold by pressing together sand. Press with incredible pressure. So you've got two halves, and they fit together with a hole in top, and they, they pour the hot iron in there, and, and it fills the space and makes the shape of the thing. And then after it cools off, they bring it over, and a big strong man with that big hammer comes, and he hits it, and the mold breaks apart. Then they pick it up and they put it on this table that just vibrates and shakes. And all the pieces of the mold rattle off. And what's left is the item you want. It's the iron. It's the core. Everything that can be shaken off shakes off. And what's left is what's real and and what's valuable and what what they were creating. It's, It's their work of art. It's their product. And that's not what the author of Hebrews means because that's not how they smelted iron, but it's a visual that we can use to point out what God is doing is creating something in your life and in my life. That's the core. That's the beauty. That's the the, the product He's forming. And all these things around it, now watch this, everything that can be shaken, the removal of what can be shaken, that is, created things. If it can be made, it's going to shake away one day. Now, these things that he's talking about, the shakeable things, are the things we're usually most thankful for. I'm thankful for food. Well, food's kept me alive for 45 years and going strong. Thank you, Lord. It'll be shaken. In heaven, we'll have a feast, but we won't need it to stay alive. I'm thankful for my home. It's a roof over my head. Thank you, Lord. One day I'm going to be in God's home. It's going to be shaken. I don't need that anymore. All these things that we say, God, thank you for, they're good things. But they're created things. They're temporary things. They're going to be shaken off. They're part of the mold God uses to shape and form us. And without them, we wouldn't be who we are. And so, yes, we're grateful But when we're showing gratitude to God, we have to look beyond what He gives us here around us, that mold He's pouring us into that's going to shake off one day and be gone and done, burned up, renovated. 
Everything we can build, everything we can see, everything we can own is one day going to be burned to ashes and God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And we're not going to need any of that. We need only Christ. So it's going to be shaken off. And he says, the day is going to come when he's going to shake away everything that's not needed. And what remains is what's permanent. It's what's real. The only things in my Bible that remain eternally are God, His Word, and His church. That's it. His Word goes forever and ever. His people gathered to Him, His eternal bride, His church, everything else goes away. There's a, there's a song I like by Rich Mullins. I like almost all of his songs. And he, he uses it to express what we're reading here. It's called Home, and it's about finally, eventually arriving home. And here's how he does it. He says, now the night is faded, and the storm is past. And everything that could be shaken was shaken. And all that remains is all I ever really had. What I would have settled for, you've blown so far away. You brought me to what I thought I could not reach. And I came so close to giving up, but you never did give up on me. I see the morning moving over the hills. I feel the rush of life here where the darkness broke. And I am in you, and you're in me here where the winds of heaven blow. We're going to go home one day, and all the things we're thankful for here on earth, good things, things that it is right to give praise for, they're all going to shake off. And we're left with God, His Word, and His church. And if we're going to be truly thankful people, we need to, to orient our eyes higher than what's around us, Yes, give thanks to God for safety, security, family, food, a job, a home, freedom. All these things, they matter. They're the mold God's pouring us into, shaping our lives. But they're going to shake away one day because their purpose will have been fulfilled. And if that's all we're thankful for, then we're not thankful for the deepest things that truly matter. So when you talk about what you're thankful for, let me offer you some ideas. One is salvation. It's, it's free to you and me, but it costs Jesus Christ his life. Free gift. God, thank you for saving me. How about the filling of the Holy Spirit? We're baptized in the Holy Spirit of God when we're born again. Every believer filled with God's Spirit. The prophets weren't filled with God's Spirit. Moses, Isaiah, Elijah, not filled with God's Spirit. No one filled with God's Spirit until after Pentecost, after the resurrection. We live in an era where you and I have something from God that the Bible heroes we read about, the, the, the men, the women we admire greatly never had. What a gift it is to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. He's the, the, the down payment on our salvation. He's the comforter. He's the teacher. And He fills your heart. What a gift that is. How about His Word? Do you know what I think about believers in the Bible? I came here eight years ago and I began to teach through the book of Mark. And this church loves the Word of God. 
And I can see that. And it's been clear for years. And I'm, I am so thankful. But there's a pattern in America. And we're not exempt of people who, who claim they know Jesus, they love Jesus, love the Lord their God with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength, and know very little of what's written in His Word. They can quote lines from movies. They can sing song lyrics from the 70s. And they don't know the Word of God. We don't love His Word the way we should. And His Word is everlasting. There's God, His church, and His Word. That's it forever and ever. That's, that's what can't be shaken. And we live in an era where we have it, we can read. You got a Bible. You can use the radio, you can use the internet, you can go to church. We should know more of the Word of God than anybody's ever been able to know in the history of the church, and we know less. Let's become thankful for the Word of God, thankful enough to know it, know what it says so that we can obey it. We can be, be thankful for the church, bride of Christ. My wife's been away from home for... Over a week, and I miss her. We've been, we've been married 25 years. She's my bride. When she's away, I feel that absence. It's, it's special to be the bride. It's special to be the, the chosen, beloved one. And that's how God talks about His people. We should be thankful for the church. I want to offer you one more idea. And this is what, where we bring it all down to gratitude. This is why this is a Thanksgiving text. It begins with a willingness to receive Him who speaks. It moves into focusing on the things that can't be shaken. The things that abide. And by the way, we don't truly, we don't truly access the things that can't be shaken until the things that can be are shaken off. So too much attachment to the world. Even the good things we're thankful for, they can get in, in the way of, of the real core of it all. So, so, so meet me in verse 28. Therefore, you're reading your Bible and you see the word therefore, you should. See what it's there for. Yeah, it's concluding ideas. This Okay, here's all these ideas. Therefore this. Here's, here's the action. Here's the, the core of it. Here's, here's where the, the rubber meets the road. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, okay, all, all these other things shake off. This will not. Let us be thankful. Gratitude is the appropriate response to receiving the kingdom of God. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and all, for our God is a consuming fire. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken, watch this, the kingdom is present. We will receive a kingdom? No, we are receiving. Have received a kingdom? No, are receiving. Right now, and yesterday, and tomorrow, and next week, and every breath, and every moment, we are receiving the kingdom. The it's a gift. We're, we're receiving. We're not earning the kingdom. It's a free gift, freely given, the kingdom given presently. 
It's not contingent upon how things are going. Cannot be shaken. We get excited every two years about elections because everybody thinks their side will change something. And then it'll be better. And how often does that really happen? But get excited because in two years it'll happen. Every time. This whole world can fall apart. The kingdom will stand. We, we can see the things we value erode all around us. The kingdom will stand. I don't want to see that. You don't either. But the kingdom of God is not contingent upon anything. In my life, my nation, my world, the kingdom cannot be shaken. That's the, that's the iron. That's the core. Everything else is around it. And here's... An idea that should be obvious, and sometimes we miss it. If it's a kingdom, it must have what? A king. Do not refuse him who speaks. It's not impersonal. It's a kingdom with a king, and and we're receiving it. Christ is our king, and his, his kingdom is our citizenship. He says, since we're receiving it, we should be thankful. Before you eat a meal, you say what? Grace. Why Why grace? Because that's the Greek word, charis, for thankfulness. It's also the root of gratitude. Okay? To, to say grace means to point at something and say, that's grace. I point at my food and say, that's the grace of God. I didn't have to eat. He didn't have to to provide. He doesn't have to take care of me. Grace. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. Grace. So when we're gratitude, when we're thankful, we're pointing out grace. We're saying God's been good to me. If I was owed it, why would I be grateful? If I had it coming by right. No, it's, it's all a gift. It's a free gift of the mercy of God. Everything we have, everything we earn, every opportunity we get, everyone around us. It's a free gift. We, 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 we look at it and say grace. We point at it and say that's grace. We say grace because we're receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken. And what follows from that, which we talked about a moment ago, that when, when the service ends here at noon and we go down and eat, worship doesn't stop to go eat lunch. Worship shifts and continues to a love feast in the presence of God and His people, saying grace and gratitude for all that He's done. So He says, therefore, since we're receiving the kingdom, let us be thankful and so worship God. If we're not going to worship God, then we're not truly thankful people. Because to to say grace, to, to point out the mercy of God, the next logical, the next spiritual step is to say, God, you are so good that you've done this. I, I praise you. I worship you. Acceptably. Men. I want to give you homework. Thursday, when you gather with your your family and food has been prepared and set before you, I want you to say to your wife or your mom or 
whoever cooked it, if it's not you, this is acceptable. Come Sunday, I'm going to know who did it. Because you're going to be the one showing up with a black eye. Acceptable in our common language means it could be worse. Bare minimum, it gets by. That's not how it's used here. It means in a way that, that God will accept. In a way that aligns with the, the priorities of God. Our worship should be acceptable to the Lord. We're not here for each other. We're here for Christ. When we sing, we don't sing for each other. We sing for Christ. When we pray, we don't pray to each other. We pray to Christ. Reverence and awe. That is, to revere God. One side saw a man with a shirt on, had a picture of what we commonly think Jesus looked like. And it said, Jesus is my homeboy. That's not reverence. No, he's, he's my savior. He's my king. He's the son of God. So when we worship, it's with reverence, but awe is perpetual wonder. About a week ago, I had to, to take my wife to the airport. We're, we're, we're riding along and um, there's a giant airplane right above us, landing. That never gets old. And I reached up, I said, look, look, look. And it's going right over us, right over the car. And I, I get the physics of it, and people have been doing it 100 years. I know all that. It never gets old. That thing weighs tons, and it flies around. I'm still in awe, like a big kid, Okay. Reverence and all. When God never gets old. He's been so good to me and that's still fresh and that's still new and I'm still amazed at His grace. That's the attitude. And the reason why, and we're, we're, we're going to wrap it up here, but it's going to take a minute. But don't worry, you won't be late for lunch. Okay? For our God is a consuming fire. Now, the author of Hebrews quotes the Old Testament a lot, and he does that here. And when he does it, he's bringing this whole event to his text. It means everything it meant where it was originally written. So in order to understand what he means here, we've got to go to Deuteronomy 4. And if you want, you can make your, your way over. This word was spoken by Moses. Our God is a consuming fire. What did he mean when he said it? It was his last speech to the children of Israel, right before they went into the land God promised. And I'm going to read it to you in a moment, but I want to tell you what he's talking about first. They're wandering through the wilderness, hungry, thirsty, no water for our, our animals, our children, ourselves, so... They cry out to Moses, you brought us out here to die, there's no water. So Moses cries out to God, and God speaks to Moses, and he says, you and Aaron get everybody together and speak to the rock in the assembly of the people. Speak to the rock. 
Moses is the spokesperson of God. He's speaking on behalf of God in the presence of everybody to the rock. And the water will pour out and you'll have enough. So Moses and Aaron, remember where we began. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. Keep that in mind. Moses and Aaron, get everybody together. And Moses said, here now, you rebels. Must we bring water out of the rock for you? And he hit the rock twice with his staff. Is that what God said to do? God said, show them grace, give them water, they're thirsty. He said, you're a bunch of rebels complaining. We, Moses and Aaron, will give you water. That's sin. That's wrong. God gave the water because God's gracious. Say grace, there it is, grace. But then he spoke to Moses, and he said, Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I've given them. He refused him who speaks, and there was judgment. And Moses died in the wilderness, brought up to heaven, presence of God, absolutely, but he didn't get to go in because of his disobedience. Now with that in mind, Deuteronomy 4, I'm going to read you starting in verse 21. Therefore the Lord was angry with me for your sakes and swore that I would not cross over the Jordan and that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, but I must die in this land. I must not pass over the Jordan, but you shall pass over and possess the good land. Take heed to yourselves. Okay? Moses knew God was punishing his sin. He didn't heed him who speaks. He turned away. He refused. He didn't obey. There was judgment. Take heed to yourselves lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God in which he made with you. And make for yourselves an image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. Don't get over there and start to worship idols. I'm telling you as Moses, he means it. I don't get to go because I sin. Don't go over there and sin. God means it. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. It's a jealous God. We're grateful for the things that last, for the things that can't be shaken. We worship with reverence and all, with an awareness that everything is grace. It's all a gift of God. And we look back and we see people who refuse to give him glory and honor. You refuse to hallow my name among the people. And they receive judgment. And he, he, his desire for us is not judgment, wrath, but grace. So if we're going to be thankful, A, let's be obedient. And B, let's be truly thankful for the things that last, that abide, that truly that matter. Will you join me as we pray? And as we do that, we're going to pray for the meal we're going to share in a moment as well as we worship with the assembly of the saints. Our Father, we thank you for grace. We, we, we acknowledge you when we eat. But Lord, make us people who acknowledge you in every moment, who point to everything in our life and say, that's grace. 
That has God's fingerprints all over it. I didn't deserve it, and he gave it to me. Lord, my family is grace. My children are grace. My job is grace. My home is grace. Everything you've given me, Lord, is just free grace. Because you're so good. Help us to not turn from you, but to heed him who speaks. Because we're receiving your kingdom. And Father, when you shake away those things that aren't needed anymore, help us to not mourn them. To not be so attached to them that we can't see their true value. Lord, we're we're thankful for all that you do, but thank you so much for the things that, that you've done for us that we can't even imagine. The kingdom that can't be shaken, that we will inherit completely one day. Lord, orient our minds toward that. Show us that grace. And Lord, our hearts should be satisfied. We pray for one another. We pray for this meal. We want to thank you for the food. We want to thank you for the hands that prepared it from hearts of love. And we thank you for the people with whom we get to share it. Lord, you've been so good to us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.